This episode is brought to you by The Grounds Guys, a neighborly company. The Grounds Guys is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? Do you love to be outdoors? If you're currently running your own landscape business or think that a landscaping franchise could be your natural calling, text GGBIZOPP to 87000 right now to learn more coming up on tms no johnson at the nude beach police save nudists all oh. units responded there was a capital a that threw me off i know it messed up the comma messed my bad up. brazilian hooker barbecue the voyeur has become the voyee i'm that weird crawler in the corner oh you said volvo <laughs> i think his name is des lope good lease on a corellian corvette therapy thursday and more on this episode of the morning stream. I'm at Penn Smart. Yep, I'm at Penn Smart. Just looking at Burns. Not gonna get one. Look at this guy right here. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. I love bread. The morning stream. Terrific equipment to have in battle. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to TMS. It is the morning stream for July 25th, 2019. Scott Johnson here. Brian, a bit there. Good morning. Yes. Good morning. How are you? Uh, you know, just scraping by, getting it done, making it happen. It's been a week, man. And when I say a week, like seven, it's been a seven day, uh, it's been a trial for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get into details or anything. Although, although Wendy thinks, I, I talked to my sister yesterday briefly via text uh, talking about today's topic, mm-hmm. and uh, she thinks that maybe it would be uh, good for us at some point to have a cathartic journey together discussing the uh, recent, let's call them, issues that arrived in the uh, Frog Pants community and, and well, beyond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, said, I don't know. I guess maybe, sort of, could be, yeah. And then she said, well, don't worry about it today, but maybe in future. And I said, okay, maybe then. Maybe then my yeah. wound will have healed a little. Perhaps it will that have closed up. Yeah, I mean, that's the, do we do it while it's still hot, fresh, and painful? Or do we kind of do it when we're when we've got a little bit more clarity and are less emotional and reactive about it because that is the that is the thing that's exactly the thing i agree yeah so yeah. i'm kind of in the mode of like yeah let's see how we're feeling in a few weeks and maybe yeah maybe yeah. then but right now meh. and then too, it, and, too it can, stingy and it can be about like the conversation can be about how to deal with or, or, or why do we want to um uh, what's the word why do we want to put things like this off it can be about that yeah right right so we'll see i don't I think know it'd be very yeah it's interesting i mean i i think uh uh it would be an interesting topic to to cover with wendy especially with wendy just to mm-hmm. kind of get that we extra get that, perspective that third party arbiter that is wendy that's Gunford. right exactly yep yep She's the arbiter of uh, of pain. What? Wait, I don't know. <laughs> arbiter uh, of pain. That was my favorite police song. Man. Oh, it was so good. I'm uh, the arbiter of pain. That's right. I'll you didn't have to. Always be arbiter of pain. You don't have to do something with the red light. He'd say. Oh, that was a different. Song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the same song. And <laughs> Wait, how's it go? You don't have to turn on the. Oh, turn on the red light. No, you don't have to put on the, the red, red light. light. 
Because well, is the okay? Yeah, I, I have a question. It's about, about a hooker. I have it's a, about a hooker. It yeah. is, but I have a question about that. Did hookers sure. used to? I whenever you'd say red light district, I just thought that meant that's what the lights were all up and down the road. Did, is that was that like a, you go to one of those Brazilian beef places and if the red light's on, you bring more beef? <laughs> You're like, hmm, I'm kind of full of hooker right now. Let's wait a little bit and. Uh, and then uh, as soon as we're all finished with our current uh, hooker, we'll, we'll turn on the little thing. Um, no, it's uh, as I understand, it's kind of like the Amsterdam thing. So in Amsterdam, there's a district, there's a street, I believe, where you almost go window shopping for right. prostitutes. There's like all these windows and they're just kind of in there hanging out and they turn on their light, mm-hmm. um, uh, their red light to indicate that they're available. Okay. So and, that's so uh, that so when Sting says that he's saying you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Uh, I'll be your, I guess I'll be your permanent customer. Yeah, I guess is what he's trying to say. I'll be your John forever. I'll be your yes. I want to be your forever home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, I get it now. I think I have a greater that's understanding. How, that's how I uh, always took it. Amsterdam in there, legified hookery. That's right. Potten. Uh, Oh, speaking of the, that part of the world, you know, we got a we got a yeah. sad death over there in that direction. Um, oh, right. Although he's not. Is he from? Is he from? Uh, is he Dutch? He's uh, now. I got to look it up. I can't remember. Is he Dutch? He's right here. Here's the article. Rudger Hauer, who passed away at the age of seventy-five yesterday, well, actually a few days ago, we just sort of found out about it. Uh, there it is, the Netherlands. Yeah. So uh, yeah, all right. He, so he's he's a Nederlander. Yeah. Um. He is a, a cool Dutch leading man who in the 70s did a bunch of stuff in uh, uh, those uh, films being made over there, but then made a huge breakout over here as Roy yeah. Batty. Roy uh, Batty in Blade Runner, like yep. Tears in Rain. Died July 19th at his home in the Netherlands after a short illness. He was 75 years old. Here's the cool. A police f- man. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the cool fact. Here, a fun fact. Not fun. Yeah. Whatever. Ironic fact. Interesting. Interesting fact. He dies on July 19th, 2019. Sure. His character died in 2019. Oh, really? Roy Batty. The, yeah. So the movie uh, Blade Runner took place in uh, 2019? Yep. Yep. So that's pretty crazy, right? Think of yeah. that. Yeah. Pretty nutty. That he's, is. He's, wow. He's in a lot of other stuff, of course. I remember him fondly in Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. Um, yeah. I thought he was great in True Blood for the, and he, that wasn't that long ago. He did that. I forgot that he was in True Blood. Yeah. Uh, did we watch Lady Hawk for, uh, for film sec? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we did. We totally did that. We one. need to watch the Hitcher. I, I like uh, Blade oh. Runner for me will always be my favorite Rutger Hauer. Film. Yeah, Hitcher, um, dude. there was one where he was, uh, blind. Oh, that's uh blind fury. Uh, blind. blind fury. Yeah. Yes. Also awesome. Yeah, there's so many. Oh man, we need some. We need some Rutger. We need some Rut in our film sack uh, coming up. Just I agree, of, and it should be the two you yeah. said. We should watch The Hitcher, and we should watch uh, Blind Fury, Blind and Fury. maybe Hobo yeah. with a Shotgun. It's been long enough. We could do that now. <laughs> I forgot Hobo with a Shotgun. Yeah, yeah right. That was 2011. <laughs> that was 10 years ago, or whatever it was. Yeah. So, right. Anyway, it's just kind of sad because that dude's just cool. That guy was freaking. Yeah, cool. he really was. Man, yeah, I love that guy. He seemed like somebody in real life that you wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of, but that, but that if, if, uh, you're friends with him, he was probably like the nicest do anything for you kind of guy in the world. Right? Absolutely. Like, yep. Yeah. He would die in the rain 
and say poetry before he dies for you. <laughs> That's right. He would do that. If he the had things to. I've seen with <laughs> your eyes. <laughs> oh man, with these eyes. makes me just want to watch that movie. Yeah, that does. And then follow it up with the the second one. Chat room says we need to watch Blood of Heroes. I don't know what that is. is that another uh, another Rutger Howard joint. Blood of Heroes. 1989 Australian-American post-apocalyptic film written directed by David Webb Peoples starring Rutger Howard, Joan Chen, and Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, I'd watch this. This film has inspired the creation of the sport Jugger. What the hell Whatever is that? Jugger is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, but if I've, not, if I've not played it, am I a Jugger we, not? <laughs> yeah. In a barren world caused by wars waged in the 20th century and now forgotten, most live from hand to mouth in enclaves known as market towns or dog towns, scrounging out a bare substance, harvesting hardy crops, raising dogs as food, and trading in trinkets from the past. Dog towns. Good lord. Dog towns. Joan Chen, remember her? She was a thing for a while there. She was. She was great in that first uh, season of, of uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, she was. And then she got turned into a wooden doorknob by... Um, not Manfred Mann. What the heck was that guy's name? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what a weird what show her name? it was uh so weird winfred winfred hill windham hill windham hill. hill turned her into a wooden doorknob nailed it windham hill <laughs> joan chen still something uh, like that yeah still still kicking it uh age 58 oh windham earl windham earl windham earl yeah. there you go i don't remember that show but she was in fire walk with me you're right about that she was also in the regular old one right yeah Right? Wait. She was in... She just Firewalk with me? Did she appear in Firewalk with me? I so, don't know if she did. Says she does. Says, uh, oh, oh okay. scene, right. scenes deleted. Sorry, scenes deleted. Okay. Whatever that is. She, was it just a shot of a doorknob? <laughs> they deleted it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Somebody opens the door and... <laughs> she did that thing in the 80s that, that everybody did. She was on Knight Rider. She was on MacGyver. She was on Miami yeah. Vice. And she was on Wise Guys. She, like, she made all the stops. Which is pretty great. That's anyway. Cool. Well, good luck to her. I don't yeah. know why she's... Why are we talking... Oh, because of that movie. You because know what? Because of the Blood of Heroes. No, we would totally watch that for Film Sack. Are you freaking kidding me? Totally. Yeah, post-apoc... You had Scott at post-apocalyptic. Yeah. You'd have me at post-pre and, and current-apocalyptic. Like, <laughs> whatever you want, I'm in. Sure. Uh, but that uh, sounds good. I'd be into it. Yeah. The Hitcher uh, is... Boy, taking a long time to load is what The Hitcher is. Hitcher remake was terrible. Uh, nope. Uh, Cinemax Go. It's on. It's on Max Go. All right. So no good Which there. Which are two uh, two suffixes for HBO <laughs> these days. How about how about a, a blind uh, fury? How's that doing? Blind blind furry in which Rutger Howard dons a fox costume. Uh huh. Doesn't know it though because he's blind. He doesn't know what he's wearing. Because he doesn't know it. He's like he thinks he's just wearing like a coat, yep. a heavy parka. Yep. Yep. Uh, not available anywhere. It's rentable and buyable, and, but not streaming currently. And how about the Hitcher? The Hitcher. The Hitcher. <laughs> uh, also, not showing. This is weird. I'm not sure how much I like Just Watch these days. I need to go back to. Uh, oh, there we go. The Hitcher uh, Max Go as well. Okay. So, no. Which one is that no. one? The 86 one. Yeah. That's such a cool thing. That really movie. see Thomas Howell, Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, using a couple semis to emulate a wishbone. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember from it. It's just really well made. It's a great thriller. Yeah. And uh, he's super, super good in it. Do not confuse it, though, with the horrible, regrettable, put a pin in my eye version that came out in 2007, the remake called The Hitcher. It was awful. Piece of poopski. Do not watch it. I don't know that one at all. It's bad, Brian. Let's see who was in it. Um, Sean Bean, who I love. Oh. He was the Does Hitcher. Does he die? Uh, <laughs> yes, he <laughs> does he does if he was the Hitcher, yeah. Yeah, plus he's Sean Bean. You have to die. Yeah. Uh, Sophia Bush, Zachary Knighton, Neil McDonough. Oh, we like him. Oh, Neil McDonough. Okay. Yeah. Kyle Davis, Danny Borello. With, with his piercing blue eyes. Yeah, he's very McDonough. piercing. Gets me every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, po- uh, real, uh, uh, all the potential in the world, you blew it. You, you, you had a perfect movie in the 80s to work from, and you blew it. Well done, guys. Well done. All right. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, Rutger Howard. Shame. He was a cool dude. Uh, my snake has a new place to live. So you remember the lady that came and took my blood and I peed in a cup for her and all that stuff? <laughs> yes. She was here doing that, all the insurance stuff. Well, that was fun, and I sure enjoyed that. But, uh, oh, here's the best part. <laughs> I forgot to tell you guys this. When she had me do the blood test, before she had me do that, she had me go pee in a cup. And the way it works sure. now is you go pee in a cup, and then you pour half of your pee into uh, one vial. that has like a little pill at the bottom of it. Okay. And then another vial that has nothing in it, and I don't know why you need both, but I guess the one pill reacts with it, and if I'm doing, you know, opium or something, it's going to show testing up. Your pH, testing your pH balance. I guess so, sure. Like you're a hot tub or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hated that part of the hot tub ownership. I'm so glad I don't own one anymore. It's such, a, <laughs> such a pain in the ass trying to manage that thing. But anyway, uh, so so we I went and I did it, and the way it worked is you had the little cup, and it has a little spout on it, and then you're supposed to pour it into the two the two units there. And then I took it back in there and she wasn't back from her car yet. So I just set them in the box in front of where she was sitting. Mm-hmm. She came back and she goes, all right, now where's the urine? <laughs> and I said, I like how you're almost doing the Joker. You're almost doing the Heath Ledger. Joker. Where's the urine? <laughs> where's the, where's Harvey Dent? And where's the urine? And she says, uh, she says, where's the urine? I said, Oh, I did it already. She goes, Oh no, where did we put it? And I said, Oh, it's right here in this box. And she picked up the two vials and she held them in her hand and kind of like did this with her fist. And she goes, ooh, still warm. <laughs> I just thought that was weird. So, yeah. Side note. Yeah. Anyway. Well, yes, they are. She, uh, enjoy that. <laughs> she now owns my snake. And it's not a euphemism. So I got to know where the, because the, the, it's almost like one of those yada, yada, yada things, right? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, she came and uh, took my blood and grabbed my urine, and now she has my snake. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah. Like, it does seem stupid unless you hear it. So, so this is how it went. Yeah. We got to talking with her while she's doing all her processing and we're talking about her family and her kids. And she was like, yeah. oh, my 15-year-old daughter, she's just an animal nut because we were talking about all the dogs that are around and stuff. Plus, we were babysitting somebody's cat and or cat sitting, I guess. And so she was talking, oh, yeah, my kids love, especially my 15-year-old. She's got multiple snakes and this and that. She's naming all this. And Kim goes, ooh, snakes, you say. Uh, did she, how would she feel about a ball python? It's about six feet long. Does she feel like doing that? And I looked at Kim like, oh, we're not, we're, are we giving Norman away? Like, I didn't realize we were doing this. <laughs> yeah, that's and, an awfully good question because it does seem like it was out of nowhere. Like A little bit. You, you yeah. guys hadn't been discussing getting rid of the snake? She just... I mean, it comes up once in a while because the kids are terrible at taking care of him. And so mm-hmm. Kim and I always do it, even though it's Nick's snake, technically. Whose snake is it really supposed to be? It's supposed to be Nick's. Supposed Nick's, to be. okay. And he's had it since 20, 
11, 12. It's been, you know, he was like 11 years old when he got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's big and he's healthy and he's great. And we always feed him and we always water him, but the kids don't do jack. So basically what this is, is hey, Nick had a cool thing when he was 11. Uh, he doesn't care so much about it now. <laughs> he's 19. It's not a priority, right? Like, yeah. it's just not. So we thought, well, hey, hold on a minute. If your daughter's really into it, maybe this is a good this is a good move. And so mm-hmm. we did that. She came by and picked up the snake. She now has Norman. So I'm just saying, everybody pour out a little uh, something for Norman. You know, we had him. We loved him. He was great. We don't Pour have- out a jar of... Live mice and yep. in honor of, of uh, Norman as a new a new home. Oh, that was the other thing is we had to so we still had some frozen mice in the freezer and uh, she took those as well. So she took the whole schmear, took the oh, nice. the tank and the warmers and the well, yeah, the whole the whole kit and caboodle. Are, are you ever going to go visit him? Like, it, will will we see a reunion <laughs> of the snake? <laughs> There's a long way to go for, for that joke. <laughs> Whatever, dude. You go as far as you but need I, to for a Duran Duran reference. I'll take it. I yeah. own it. Yeah. It's a good deep cut. Um, <laughs> no, I'm guessing no. I don't. I You're can't not going to? Yeah, you don't care. You're done. I mean, I really I mean, liked you him. You and Norman had your time together. Yeah, he was great. He'd wrap around my neck. We'd take walks to the coffee place over here. Like, He's a great snake. He's a he's exactly what you want from a ball python. Um, you know they can't really express much much affection, but you they'll would, hang around you uh, and stuff. They're they're cool. Wait, wait. So you would actually you'd, you'd uh, go out and uh, mm-hmm. like to the coffee shop with him around your neck? Oh yeah, all the time. I'd walk around the park wow. with him. Yeah, I mean I haven't done it lately as much, and I wouldn't do it in the hot summer because I don't think that's good for him. Or maybe it's okay for him given that he's a snake. But mm-hmm. but I would. Uh, he loved to just kind of loop around your neck and then just chill there. And uh, that's cool. He wouldn't squeeze. He would just kind of lay there, fall asleep a lot. Um, and it was always fun to like, you know, some neighbor kids, we want to see the snake. And you'd let him in and let him hold the snake and the snake would sure. get around their arm and some kids would freak out. That's always, that, that stuff is fun. I'll miss that. But, um, I don't think Norman cares. He just wants a mouse every two weeks and a, someone to love. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and he, now he'll, he'll have that in, uh, in, in this, uh, this kid is going to be taking care of him. That's awesome. That's I good. still don't know if he has a wiener or a vagina. I don't know if it's a woman or man, woman. Oh, really? Or a man Nor- or a woman. It's thing. Norman's a Norma? Yeah, we don't know. We have no idea. We just huh. said Norman because we assumed male, but we don't know where to look. <laughs> I don't know how to tell. Well, yeah, that's a good, that is a good point. <laughs> yeah, because it's like a, they, huh. they got a little, the only thing, the only thing on the snake body that's like a exit or entrance is just the, like the little butthole part. And, sure. that, and that doesn't come out unless he's got to go. So you don't even see it really. It's just one shaft. It's a big shaft of a snake. So there's no right, way to look right. at it and go, yes. ah, there's where his wiener is. <laughs> we just never knew. Rainbow Bright says it you only, lift uh, its skirt. I right, don't know. Only, <laughs> there's only ever uh, an opening when, you know, it's like the the start of story at the beginning of uh, A New Hope. Yeah. You only ever see <laughs> yeah. when it's when it's loading a, uh, uh, whatever that, that um, the, the princess's ship was, the... Uh, what was that Tent called? Tent of four or whatever it was called. Yeah, yeah, whatever the thing with the way too many jet things and a little tiny body to float right, around. Right. It was an ugly <laughs> ship. It's very ugly. Uh, also, who was flying it? Uh, freaking um, Jimmy Smiths was flying it, turns out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good job, Star Wars. Way to retcon that business. Good job. Oh, Corvette. Right. Is it a Corvette? Oh, no, Corellian Cruiser. That's it. Corellian Cruiser, yeah. Yeah, Corellian Cruiser. Mm. But it was called the Tent of Four, wasn't it? Or am I thinking of a different thing? Uh, Santa Four is a planet, isn't it? I don't know. 
Hold on. Blockade runner. That's the that's what I was trying to what I was trying to think of. Thank you, Rusty Nels. It was the blockade runner. Yeah. Her ship is called the lead ship. No, no, no. Sorry. All right, let's see what Yahoo Answers says. Okay. Uh, it says, the name of Princess Leia's ship from the original Star Wars movie is seen in Revenge of the Ship. What? What is that? Revenge of the Ship? I can't take this seriously. <laughs> uh, the name oh, of it's Tantivy? Tantivy 4. Tantivy 4. Tantivy 4. Tantivy 4. Yeah, T-A-N-T-I-V-E 4. Yep. Right. Yep. Darth Marquis says it's uh, pronounced... Uh, uh, or Darth Marcus, Darth Marquis. Darth Marcus <laughs> says uh, pronounced Tantavi. Tantavi four. Uh, and it says of the planet Alderaan, so they own it, I guess. Alderaan owns. It, so. <laughs> no, they're really just leasing it. Yeah, they're just. <laughs> <laughs> I got a really good deal. <laughs> Don't put too many miles on it, and you'll your payments will be fine. All right. <laughs> well, that was a fun little dip into everything and all things at once. Oh, man, no kidding. Let's really? do this now. <laughs> this is your radio newscaster with another exclusive sensational summary of world and local events. All right, we're going to do some news, and it is brought to you by... Hey, Scott, do those TPS reports have you down? Yes. Can't, can't stand another day in the spice mines on Kessel? No. Are you tired of welcoming your new computer overlords? Yes. You need a vacation, but more specifically, you need a vacation that's custom designed for you. Don't trust your precious vacation time and dollars to a faceless looking, faceless booking engine before pork <laughs> on a website. Contact Jana with Purple Martin Vacations at bit.ly slash nerd travel. Love that. Yeah. And let's plan a vacation that's tailored to your needs and preferences. Nearly all of my services are free, including cruise planning and all-inclusive resorts. Plus, you're supporting a nerd-run small business by booking with me. If you're worried that Janice from Accounting will overhear your travel plans on the phone, we can even plan your vacation via email and text. Request a free vacation quote at bit.ly slash nerd travel. That's bit.ly slash nerd travel. Very nice. <clears throat> I like this the concept. Very cool. I love this. Yeah, it's yeah. very cool. Also, that Good name luck, is interesting. Jana. This is such a cool. Her name is J H N A, which rhymes with Donna. I was told. Yeah, Donna. Yep. And uh, I've never heard that name before. It's very cool. I've heard. I, I uh, have a friend named Scott who married a woman uh, named Janavi, and mm. it's basically spelled J A H N A V I. I think so. Janavi. Janavi. That's a cool. Janavi. Cool thing. Yeah, I like it. Uh, well, uh, good luck with that, and hopefully some people uh, will tap you for that. Totally, yeah. Like, come on, she's one of us, and she wants to plan your vacation, and yeah. most of her services are are free. So that's right. So uh, take advantage of this nerd travel bit.ly slash nerd travel nerd travel. Let's talk. I want to go visit a bunch of Game of Thrones castles, Scott. That'll do it. Uh, come to oh, nerd yeah. travel. I'll get you hooked yeah. up. <laughs> uh, naked man in the news. Let's talk about this sure. naked man. Naked man. It's actually from yesterday. A naked man jumps on Volvos at a Portland dealership, and all oh, the trouble he's caused. Oh, oh, uh, there. Oh, it's Volvos. Ah, Volvos. <laughs> I misunderstood you. Mm -hmm. I thought I was jumping on something else, but you say they're Volvos. Okay, Mulva. Um, it's a uh, Duncan Roberts is his name. <laughs> Or no, I'm sorry. Duncan Roberts is the dude at the thing. I don't want to. I don't want to say he was the naked the, guy. He's uh, the owner of a Volvo dealership. Yeah, correct. He's seen many things as his time as owner of the dealership in Portland, but he uh, was still taken aback by the surveillance footage from early Monday. That's when a naked man was seen jumping on and vandalizing cars in the parking lot of DLR Nordic, uh, just off Bar uh, Barber Boulevard. I don't know where any of that is. I'm sure people there know. 
A naked man was seen jumping on and vandalizing the cars there. The man who's not been identified entered the parking lot while completely nude. Nude. Mm. I love how that sounds. Lava nude. Mm. Completely nude. Uh, Began jumping up and down on the hood of of the, uh, sorry, and roof of a Volvo before jumping on a second car. You can see him walking across the street. Uh, Moments later, the man is sliding down the front windshield. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't like it. Oh, you really gave me a visual with that sound effect. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> that's horrifying! Ow, that's that's red now. That's red and <laughs> yep. burns. Yeah, that, that'll burn you. Says here, uh, let's see, <laughs> an aluminum hood of a Volvo uh, can cost as much as thirteen hundred dollars. He says, in addition to paint, labor, and the deductible, the total damage was about fifteen grand. Mm. Uh and I assume they arrested. They find the guy. They don't say. I hope. Although <clears throat> they don't say here. No, they usually an article like this. Unless he's a minor, they would actually say you know the name of the the person. So maybe he. Uh, hmm. Maybe he got away. Oh, look at this, Chad. You can see a, a, a very fuzzy image of this dude. Uh, <laughs> let me pull this up here. Yeah, look at him there. That's him. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, there he is on the yeah, so this is the middle of the night, apparently. Man, drugs are rough, dude. Yeah. I mean, you ought to assume this is drug related, right? Like, stay away from the meth, kids. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see if we can get some footage. Oh, footage. This is Portland. I, I assumed Portland, Oregon, but. Oh, here you go. Uh, they, have fo- they have footage. Check this out. There's video, you guys. I keep. I'm still seeing the two. Happy newscasters talking about. Uh, well, they just. Here we go. Oh, <laughs> now we got, now we got this, guy. The guy this guy's it. leaning against a Volvo too. Is he vandalizing it? He's the reporter guy. I know. I'm, oh, you're being. Uh, you're. You're. Um, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Here we go. Now we're getting to the footage. Okay. Yeah, and they're blur- they're blurring out his uh, his potato. His mini. Yeah. His <laughs> his, his Volvo. Uh, <laughs> He's, uh, yeah. All right. Well, if I were them. Oh, yeah, he really is sliding down the windshield on his butt. Yeah, it's gross. If I were them, I would throw the book at him. Aim it at his crotch. That's what i do. Yes, exactly. So that book. Yeah, I wouldn't buy that car either, Crimson Neon. You'd have to cut a serious deal on that car now. Like, I would want to know. It's like that time. I told you guys about the time my dad brought a car home from L.A. that had a bullet wound. Or somebody had been, like, killed oh, execution yeah. style in this car. Right. And the bullet was still in the other side uh, panel of the car, rattling around in there. And the seat was just like soaked with blood. It was awful. He fixed that up yeah. and sold it to somebody. It's haunted, I, Brian. Haunted. I mean, I would want to, I would want a discount for sure, but I don't think I'd care. You know, I, I, is it that much worse than pigeon crap? Like, can you just go to a car wash, go through the, the rolling brushes but what about Get the, the dude getting coat? shot? What about the sh- guy getting shot? Oh, well, that's that a little worse. Yeah, I mean, that's but that's almost like a, dude, check it out. I've got a car with a bullet hole in it. I kind of wouldn't uh, want to have that part fixed. Oh, I would feel weird. I mean, you'd want the seat fixed, obviously, and stuff. But the well, yeah, I, I just like somebody died in here. Soaked Ugh. in blood. Sure. <laughs> he drove that all the way home from California with a seat uh, soaked in blood. Ugh. I know. Like, Dad, what are you doing? Well, you know, you sometimes you got to remember him trying to explain it. 
Surely there's a way to like unhook that thing and just toss it out the side of the car when you're on the highway and say, yeah, done with that. <laughs> Off into a ditch with that. Yeah, what do you ride in? Do you sit on a, just put a blanket there and just sit? Like, how do you sit on the lawn chair? Bungee corded to those two rails. Sure. Oh, weird. All right. Well, anyway, don't go to, don't be naked is the, is the lesson. Yeah. Uh, speaking of naked people, perverts and bushes are ruining the nude zone of the Paris park. So there's a nude zone in a Paris park. Yes. I want Patrick to go and like get pictures and stuff. Didn't we, uh, why did I feel like we talked about this when we talked about the, yeah, yeah, they had the, the trash can urinals. Remember oh, like they were, right. They were urinal, like stand up trash can urinals. You could just walk up to stick your business in there. Yep. And let rip. Yep. I wonder if that's uh, if they have those in the nude park because that would be. kind of be the. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't uh, need them as much, or you wouldn't need so much uh, privacy, I suppose. Though you wouldn't. No, not at all. Uh, naturalists in the Paris Park have complained that voyeurs and exhibitionists are spoiling their naked enjoyment. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, wow, there really are people hiding in the bushes. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is for real. No, like right at right, like stereotype. I mean, it's it's almost like they're fly, like the the playbook, the stereotype playbook. Well, I'm a pervert. I guess I'm supposed to hide in the bushes. Yeah, they're they're toms. That are my name is peeping. Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over here peeping. Right. Uh, the nudists say they are being pestered in this uh, area of the city's Bois uh, de Venenses. Bois de Vincennes. Thank you. Where for the last two days they have been allowed to shed their clothes. Uh, an area of almost two acres of the park is set aside for naturalists between April and October, so it's a temporary thing. Uh, when it opened in 2017, city officials insisted no inappropriate behavior would be tolerated. A message reiterated in a sign at the entrance of the zone, but a number of naturalists have complained their peace is being disturbed by the, quote, reprehensible actions of a few non-nudists. Uh, one Bernard, one Bernard, told Le Monde, uh, <laughs> Voyeurs and exhibitionists come and bother the women. Of course, of course, they are afraid. He added, "Sometimes there's a police unit that comes by, and if they don't catch anyone in police, in flagrant police unit, what is <laughs> police unit? All right, keep going. <laughs> I can't believe I just skimmed right over that. Let's there's a see. police unit in the nudist park. <laughs> Let's see. Here it is. Oh, others complained of perverts hiding in bushes. Local mayor Catherine burp, 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 says police have been asked to increase park patrols after reports of voyeurism and exhibitionism. Uh, let's see. Uh, the president of the Paris Naturalist Association, who was involved in choosing the place as the naturalist zone, said the problems were being exaggerated. After I heard of all these complaints, I spoke to, spoke to a male friend who goes to this naturalist area every day. He told me he'd never seen any sordid activity or activities that don't correspond to the idea of naturalism. Oh, yeah, that's the way to do it. Ask one of your guy friends who goes and does the nude stuff if he's seen any pervy uh, activity. Right. That's, yeah, exactly. That'll get you the perfect answer every time. Nice job. Well done. So they should. Uh, here's how I would solve this problem. Um, they have to go into this kind of uh, sheltered area of the park, right? Like it's an area that's set aside for naturists. Yeah. Um, and you've got an entrance to the zone, like they say right there. Have a booth at the entrance where you have to leave your clothes. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be a, a voyeur, then you've got to be a naked voyeur. And, well, you know, you're you're now you're fair game. Now you're just as vulnerable as the rest of these uh, baguettes out here. The voyeur has become the voyee. 
That's right. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yep. I like it. Brian's got a solution. Put that into effect, Mayor. Uh, whatever your name was, Barrett to Bernard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know he's just a he's just a nudist. He's just a nudist. I mean, would you? Okay, I got a question for Brian. Sure. I can't believe it's taken this many years to ask this question on the air. <laughs> if there was a you're we don't even say Paris. You're just flying somewhere south of France, something like that. I don't know somewhere sure. in the world where they've got nude beaches. Sure, and I have been. Uh, you've been to a nude beach. I've been to a nude beach. Yeah. Were you nude on the beach? I was not. Okay. Uh, it was Bondi Beach in Australia. Okay. Um, actually, and and I think there was an area. Feels like in Miami Beach where there was nudity. It was all. It was. It was a. It was a. Uh, there were a lot of. There were a lot of gay people, Scott, but oh. it was, uh, <laughs> okay, but right. I mean, men were all wearing stuff, but there were a couple of women walking around with, um, with uh, no tops, but Bondi, uh, I wouldn't have an issue with being nude on a nude beach. However, we were there with, uh, Tina's friends <laughs> yeah. who were, you know, kind of hosting us on this trip and Tristan who was Young. four at the time yeah. and, <laughs> and. Yeah, I don't feel the need to like it was just Tina and I. Um and if Tina was like, Yeah, sure, I'll I'll you know, I'll do it if you will, then I would totally have no problem with being nude on the I beach. don't think but I could do it. I couldn't do it. I will say this. Um Bondi Beach breaks that whole rule of nude beaches where the people who are nude on a nude beach are people you wouldn't want to see nude on a nude beach. Mm. Bondi Beach was like, This is where all the pretty people are hanging out. I mean it's a a, it's a beautiful uh, beach, blue waters. I mean, the whole uh, the whole reason Steve Job, Jobs named that first iMac Bondi Bondi Blue or Bondi Bondi Blue mm-hmm. um, uh, was because it was just such a beautiful the color of the water and everything was just really beautiful. Sure, um, but uh, that would almost be the only issue I'd have. I wouldn't mind, you know, walking around. People see me naked, whatever. They're all naked too, but it's like. Yeah, I it, it's almost like somebody shoved a uh, uh, a page of uh, uh, I don't know Wizard magazine into an issue of Vogue or Cosmopolitan. Oh. And, and I'd be that I'd be that weird. <laughs> I'd be that weird page from Ranger Ricks or Field and Stream or. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I popular can... mechanics in a in a <laughs> Cosmopolitan magazine. Sure, I get it, and I and I and. You know, I respect it. I just could not do it. There's no yeah. way. I'd be so self-conscious. I don't care if they're all naked or not. Yeah. I'd just be like, all right. Oh, I, there's no way. It's not. A, there's not a chance. I'm ever. Yeah. I'm ever really? in the buck in public like that. Never. Ever. Oh my gosh, I can't even think about it. <laughs> Me walking around going, hey, what's you know what's going on? You guys want to grab? Uh, you want to grab lunch later? And. uh <laughs> How about a little volleyball? Hun, you want you, volleyball? Hun, could you put some sunscreen on me, please? Oh my gosh, I just cannot imagine it. I barely want to go shirtless at a beach. I'm just, oh, that's funny. I'm too self-conscious. I guess I don't. Know. Yeah. See, I don't care. I figure uh, they're not there to look at me. <laughs> so, so what do I care? Yeah. You know, that's a good attitude to have. I think I would struggle though. I that- really would. I'm that weird crawler in the bakery display case that everyone bypasses to look at the really pretty uh, cakes and uh, 
<laughs> that kind of misshapen, uh, <laughs> misshapen croissant in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, that's going on. Hey, quit being perverts, everybody in France. Yeah. yeah. You know, French perverts. Yeah. That's supposed to be. I, I mean, uh, voyeur. That's a French word. So there you go. Oh, that's voyeur. true. Yeah. The voyeur. Pervert. Yeah. That's, that's where, that's where uh, <laughs> this was invented. Is the word peeping. Per- is how about the word pervert? Hold on. Pervert. Pervert. That's how it's pronounced. Scott. Yeah. Pervert. Let's see. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> is this a French origin? It might be. I don't think. Well, might be. Um, pervert origin and meaning. Here we go. Okay. Uh, thirteen hundred A.D. turns someone yeah. aside from the right religious belief to a false or uh, erroneous one. This oh, here it is. Old French uh, word, <coughs> which yeah. meant to pervert or undo or destroy. Yeah, it is French origin. So there, there you go. go. Yeah, sounds like something. So it might have actually been pronounced pervert. Yeah, pervert. In fact, the the pervert. original. Original word was P E uh, sorry P E R V E R T I R. Pervertier. Pervertier. <laughs> Pervertier. Right. That's what they call uh, what's his name? Um, we were making fun of the other day. Gerard Depardieu. Yeah, he's a pervert for sure. Okay. <laughs> it is true that uh, who said it? Senko Oshi in the chat says anything sexual must have come from French origin. It does seem that way. Like a lot of sure. origin to that stuff. Those words, anyway. A lot of it is French. Anyway. Do you guys have a? I'm sure you've got one in Utah or in, in Salt Lake City, but a a uh, sexy bakery. Oh yeah, place like where they make yeah. And they also where there's also like hair places that uh, the it's like young hot ladies doing your hair and they're wearing oh, just tiny and bikinis yeah, and stuff. lingerie or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or we lingerie. have one uh, yeah. uh, here called a little off the top. Oh nice. Yeah, ours was something like that too. It was like, ta. Oh, it may have been the same. May have actually been the same. It was some kind it's of play on that. Fantastic Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Great clips, it was called. Fantastically nude sands. Yep. <laughs> Great clips. Yes, we'll be careful how you say that one. Bikini cuts. That's it. Bikini cuts. Darth Marcus knows. He know. He's here. He's from here. He knows. The Darth Marquis Assad uh, knows. Yep. This? He's all. He is aware of it. It was bikini cuts. With they all were all in this West Jordan. Now I've got to call him. You know, Darth Marquis. Yep. Uh, <laughs> funny. <laughs> you know, it's a funny scene in my head. You walking into a topless barber. Right. With no hair on your head. Right. And then trying to explain what you need while you're there. You know, just that you're not there just for the topless ladies, that you are actually there for some sort of hair care. (laughs) That's pretty great. Anyway, Uh, uh, that's the thing. Let's move on to this. There was a man arrested. You know, Taylor Swift. Are you familiar with Taylor Swift? She's a um, she is a, a singer, isn't she? She's a crooner, isn't she? Yep. Yep, we're gonna let her finish. That's her. Uh, she's she's also one of the cats in that cats thing, that abomination. Oh right, yeah. Yep. So she's in there. Um. Uh. So anyway, apparently somebody's been stalking her. A man outside Taylor Swift's home had a crowbar, lockpicks, and rubber gloves, and has been busted. An Iowa man uh, told police that he traveled to Westerly, Rhode Island, because he was hoping to visit with the pop star Taylor Swift. Was arrested near the singer's home carrying a backpack. Cont- Containing more than 30 lockpicks and several other burgle tools. <laughs> uh, David Page. Is he French? <laughs> <laughs> That's another cool French word. 
Uh, let's see. David uh, Page Little, 32 years old, was charged Friday with possession of burglary tools and possession of a prohibited weapon other than a firearm, according to online jail records. Swift was not at the house at the time of Little's arrest. Uh, Chief uh, the department confirmed. Little of Des Moines, Iowa. We got some Iowa folks in the chat today. Oh, really? Yeah. Some Iowans? We're not, look, we're not judging you based on this one guy, okay? Everybody in Iowa, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Just help us be better at the next election. Uh, was arrested after residents in the Watch Hall Village reported seeing someone uh, suspicious near the boatyard. You know, everyone's got a boatyard. Yeah, Taylor Swift and her boatyard. How come we've never heard about her boatyard in one of her songs? You'll never hear about my boatyard. <laughs> we are never, ever going to the boatyard together. Ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the right song. That's the right one to do it with. Nice yeah, one. right. Um, <laughs> it says he had all this stuff. Uh, they searched his bag. I'm skipping ahead because they just repeat themselves a little bit here. Uh, he told uh, police that he took a train from New York City to Westerly because he wanted to visit with her. He had said he had traveled to Nashville and Memphis, and, uh, Tennessee. The 29-year-old singer also has property in Nashville, among other places. So he's probably the worst kind of stalker, knows way too much yeah. about where she's at. and uh, Well, and also has got it kind of in his head that she's hoping for, expecting his visit mm-hmm. and you know would like him to stop by with his crowbar and his burglary yeah <laughs> clearly she's open to this it seems like i think she wants in her life so yeah you know, she knew he was trouble yeah <laughs> <laughs> trouble trouble oh that's the one with the goat they always put the goat that's in the there the goat yeah. i will never ever hear that song without not wanting the goat trouble bah! Yeah, trouble. <laughs> i love goats that sound like people uh, okay, the only other thing I would say about this thing with her yeah. is it reminded me of of something I just learned, which is uh, uh, what's his name? Post Malone. You know, Post Malone. Are you familiar with yeah. Post Malone? Yeah. He's very popular I liked him these more days. More when he was pre Malone, but yes, <laughs> he's fine now that he's Post Malone. Sure. Uh, I mean, here it's, he has, has a funny connotation in here because when Carl Malone and John Stockton were all the rage for the Utah Jazz and we almost won an NBA championship in the nineties. Um. Malone was a forward, power forward, and he was always in the post. So hearing the name Post Malone is is oh. weird here. It sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, but anyway, Post Malone, he's cool. I like him. Uh, I like his music a lot, actually. I think he's super interesting. Um, and he bought a place up in Park City, some huge place up there. Some monstrous palatial, overlooked really? the entire valley, uh, built into the side of the mountain, $12 million uh, joint up there. And so now, I guess, our my neighbor is Post Malone. And uh, he has that song where he sings about the Utah snow. But I don't know. Oh, really? Song. Yeah. He likes it here, I guess. Huh. I, don't, I don't know why, but he likes it. I like that uh, I like that Sunflower song. That's the... That one's good. I like Rockstar. I like... Um, uh, what's the other one? Nick always plays in the car. There's another one I really like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's interesting. He's... Oh. he's uh, Did you do that uh, thank you? Uh, uh, thank you. I just say thank you or something like that. Is I that? I think so. Is that him? Oh, congratulations! That's what it is. I'm singing thank you, but I mean, <laughs> you say congratulations. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> well, you know, when somebody tells you congratulations, you say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm a white guy who likes hip hop. I like the hip hop. Yes. 
He's a talented you young say fella. Well done, sir. <laughs> so we like cranking. We like cranking him in the car now that we know he lives here, or at least part of the year he hangs out here. Where, yeah. where? Well, and you know, if he if he overhears you playing his music, he might invite you up to his house with some burglary tools and a crowbar. Yeah, it would take a lot. I think he's got some serious security up there. But yeah, that guy went from like you know, dude making cool music in his bedroom to mm-hmm. mega monster pop magnet totally. in like yeah. three years or juggernaut. something he's a juggernaut it's crazy uh all right final uh, story here yeah abc this. yeah yeah me too abc is making a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy original series on hulu and uh that's good because i like my like my streaming services hitchhiker's guide of course had a film adaptation in 2000 and what three four whatever it was mm-hmm. um and i uh, I've always felt they're my favorite, one of my favorite series of books I've ever read. Period. Like I mm-hmm. absolutely love mm-hmm. them, especially number uh, the second book, uh, Restaurant at the End of the Universe, is one of my favorite things ever. Yeah. Um, and I just I always thought, oh, it's going to be so hard to make, going to be so hard to make. And then Douglas Adams passed away in like the early aughts, and what was it two thousand or two thousand one, sometime near when my dad died. I always remember that. But uh, and I remember thinking, well, that's it. We're never going to get anything good out of that because he's not here to sort of oversee it. But then he wrote that script. The movie's based on that. The movie is fun, but it's not the same. Yeah. Great um, cast, though. I mean, incredible you got your, cast. Uh, it's incredible. Sam Rockwell and Martin Freeman. Who was. Uh, oh, that was. T- uh, it was a rapper. Uh, tricky. Not tricky. Nope. Is it tricky? Nope. Uh, Deslope. Deslope. Oh, most deaf. Most deaf. Most deaf. <laughs> Yes. Deathlope. There we go. We've we've both uh <laughs> demonstrated our <laughs> demonstrated our hip hop knowledge quite accurately. What happened to him anyway? He's not doing anything now. Mo's deaf. I'm looking him up. Yeah. He uh okay, he has <laughs> Deathlope. Deathlope. Oh, his real name's Yaslin Bay? I didn't know that. Oh. It's not as bad as Deslope. I mean, that's that's on par with Deslope. He has not done anything really since Dexter. He was on Dexter in 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And now he's in something called The Disconnected, which is in pre-production. He no longer goes by Moe's Def. Anyway, hmm. I liked him. I liked. I think Martin Freeman was the perfect Arthur Dent. Or not Arthur Dent. He was, yeah, Arthur Dent. Yeah, he was Arthur Dent. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. I mean, the the uh, uh, my uncle introduced me to the the um the radio play or the radio drama mm-hmm. or we can't really call it radio drama but the radio play sure uh as a kid and recorded all those onto cassettes for me and when i worked at a for a while i worked at a ceramic doll manufacturing company mm-hmm. <laughs> and as i was sanding dolls uh sanding porcelain i guess they were porcelain not ceramic um i would listen to the hitchhiker's guide nonstop, and then i'd listen to the um the Star Wars radio dramas. That's awesome because yeah, that stuff's so good. Like there was those play the audio play version of this the BBC did that you're talking about is still good. Yeah. It still holds up. It's very good. It really does. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot. Zoe Deschanel was uh, what's her face? Was not Trinity. I want to say uh, Trinity. Trinity. Trillion. 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 Yeah. You know the. You want to see? Actually, I have we found when we were cleaning out my grandmother's house. Uh, still in the process of doing it. We found one of the porcelain dolls I made. You want to see the scary damn yeah, thing? Let's see it. You got it right there. I have it close. All right. While you're grabbing it, I will also remind everybody that um, you had both Snape and Flitwick from Harry Potter's universe in one body. You had 
what's his name playing the body of uh the robot Mar- marvin the martian or marvin the robot right yeah and, then, and you had uh, i didn't i forgot that uh yeah that was rickman alan rickman asking for those detonators once again wow yep all right Warwick did all right it. you ready this yeah. will this will frighten you this will give you uh, nightmares scott okay i'm ready it's 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 it part three okay oh my lord dude <laughs> Uh, that's scary is it supposed to be scary is it supposed to no it's not it's supposed to be a cute little porcelain doll i used to to, basically this this head you're seeing was one that i sanded and painted and uh how'd you get the hair on there what kind of um yeah there was a woman who did all the hair and clothes oh okay yeah, but that's not like. Ah. Oh my gosh, I don't like that thing at all. <laughs> and it's and its head like this is old, so its head doesn't like it's kind of floppy and yeah. Oh, its head. <laughs> <laughs> what's the wait? What's the it phrase where he says everything's great down here? What does oh, he say? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We can fly to float down oh, here. Oh, we've everything fl- like we have floats there. Whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. that's awful. <laughs> awful oh yeah we uh, all float awesome oh, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that sequel it looks like a it looks hardcore i'm excited about yeah it. it does i hope it doesn't make a lot of money but i hope it does all right yeah that's yeah i hope it's very good made and fun to watch but i don't have any desire to see it make a lot of money for very personal reasons that brian and i only yes, know exactly about. how are we doing because i know lion king was one of the things we were worried about although we never talked about endgame um, making enough to finally beat Avatar and become the biggest film of all time. Yep, it did it. Everyone thought it wouldn't because of the re-release thing with the extra credit stuff, yeah. but it's it worked. It, it passed it. And yeah. I think- so all John Trekker, all John Trekker needs the John Trekker team and Trekker uh, is uh, for it chapter two to make eighty million dollars, which I don't think that's going to be a problem. Yeah, that I don't like that. No. All right. No sword and laser. I mean, Lion King just had its first weekend, two hundred twelve million, but I'm sure it'll probably do another. Uh, it'll well, do okay. Yeah, all they need is a hundred million for for Tom and Company to beat us. So, yeah. Lion ah. King not doing Tom, great. Tom and Company. I've reduced Veronica down to and the rest from the Gilligan's Island theme. Perfect. Perfect. That's what <laughs> Tom you want. And the rest. Uh, <laughs> I'll see. Once time. Once upon a time in Hollywood's already got some reviews going. Oh really? Yeah, I didn't realize that. Is that this weekend? I think it is. Chock hmm. full of brilliant moments, great performances, a sense of the 60s Hollywood infused with a mix of fairy tale nostalgia and clear-eyed realism. There's a lot to love in Once in Time. Let's see. The film benefits from a committed laser-focused performance by DiCaprio and Pitt, the latter of whom essentially brings a slight knowingness to the subtleties of playing second banana. Um, let's see. The greatest compliment I can give is that after sitting for two hours and 45 minutes, I was immediately ready to do it again. Wow. All right. People like it. Wow. Cool. Well, then, you know, it's because I got so many feet and it's all feet, all these feet I put in there. You know, and I looked at the movie poster when we went and saw Toy Story 4 as we were coming out to go to the bathroom. And I went over and looked at the movie poster for mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. or uh, yeah. And you have to scan. There's so much stuff on that movie poster. There is a little tiny Charles Manson that's maybe an inch high. So come on, people, you got to forgive me for not realizing this was a Charlie Manson movie, and I yeah. have no idea that. I still say I I still say that a you're right about what you're saying right now, yeah. and b uh, 
I think the movie is only a little of him. I, I, as far as I know, it's not like that's the main thing. I, I don't watch. Right. No, I, I guess seems, I don't it know. Seems focused right on on DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and uh, right and Margot Robbie and that whole thing. And Margot Robbie is Shannon Tate. She mm-hmm. gets. She's the one that gets murdered. Mm-hmm. So assume we assume that there's you know there's something going on there. I just don't know enough about the movie because it feels like Tarantino's building a lot of weird stuff around. Oh, did you say Shannon Tate? It's Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate. Did I say Shannon? It's actually just it's Jessica Tate. It's the this movie is the tale of two sisters. Great. Jessica Tate. Yeah. And Mary Campbell. One perfect. Looks like <laughs> these Tarant- are the Tates. These are the Tates. <laughs> and these are the Campbells. Meet the Tates. All right, anyway. Uh, anyway, Hitchhiker's Guide coming to Hulu. <laughs> the main thing there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to bring a towel. They're going to head the series with Carlton Cuse, one of the showrunners behind Lost, uh, Bates Motel, and Lock and Key, as well as Jason Fuchs, whose writing includes Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Uh, they will write and executive produce the project under ABC Signature. This is the streaming service division of ABC Studios. Yeah. Um, let's see. This is a, uh, they do, they did say this to deadline, which makes me slightly nervous. It says it is a quote, modern updating of the classic story. Uh, I don't know about that. Me? I don't know. If, I don't know how about that. I like it or not. We have to make it appeal to current audiences. Yeah. We'll have cell phones. Yeah. I'm a little, I'm worried about that. And I'm also worried about the fact that it's ABC signature. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like that is, uh, it just feels sanitized. Yeah. And not like and not like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was this big racy no. uh F bomb fest or something, but uh It wasn't. Yeah. The best thing about that movie or one of my favorite things was the work that Henson Workshop did with the Vogons. They're still just amazing designs. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. I have a Vogon twelve inch action figure somewhere. Vogon. Oh, do you? Yeah, it's really yeah. rad. Someone sent that to me years ago. But uh Yeah, we'll oh, see. To a little green globule or someone that i remember the that's so the, good the, uh, the the poetry that he had it's so good everything about those books is amazing and it deserves some good treatment so i hope they can pull this off all right we're gonna pull something else off that is a break in the show where we play a song wendy will be back here uh to talk to us here in a minute we got a bit of a follow-up to last week which turns out to be one of our most popular segments we've ever done with her so uh we'll talk about that why and what this follow-up's about in a minute but before that a song from Brian Ibbett. All right, he finish? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> He's finished. Yeah. Because this guy's finished. No. Uh, Since November is a Helsinki-based indie pop band by uh, fronted by Tommy Makila. Uh, he's been in bands like The Crash and Magenta Sky Code, but um, a little while ago he started his own solo project, which is called Since November, to actually explore the space theme. So mm. this guy is like, um, I don't know, kind of a David Bowie branching out on his own with his own kind of major Tom. Um, this is awesome. I'm loving this. Uh, this is the third single from his album. It's called Airplane Astronaut, and it's about the right man in the wrong place. You're going to love the audio, the, the voice synthesis stuff that goes along with this. If, if you hear it. I don't know if you get to hear the song, but if you... <laughs> I will today. If smile upon you and you get music. <laughs> They're going to hear it today. I guarantee it. There you go. The band is uh, since November. Here is the song Airplane Astronaut. I'm an astronaut. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. 
I have to tell you right away that I can't fly this thing. I am the right man in the wrong place, but don't worry. How hard can it be anyway? I'm here to talk to you about the Grounds Guys. They're looking for new owners to join their growing company, part of a neighborly company. could be the perfect opportunity for you if you're driven, if you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur, you love to be outdoors, you've thought about running your own landscape business, or think maybe landscape franchises would be a natural calling for you. All you have to do is text GGBIZOPP 
to the number 87000 to learn more. Choosing to start your own business with the grounds guys means setting uh, yourself up for success by surrounding yourself with the best in the business and the best at the business. With the grounds guys, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours, and live a better quality life running a business that you can be proud of. You have access to the best resources to help you scale your landscape business to meet your personal and professional goals. And you will go home every day with the satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their outdoor spaces. As the Ground Guys owner, you'll also be a part of the greater Neighborly community of home service brands. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and goals through local business ownership. No one knows the home service industry better than Neighborly. Every year, nearly 1 million customers are proudly served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands, some of which include Mosquito Joe, Molly Maid, Glass Doctor, and Mr. Rooter. Uh, running your own business can be a whole lot of fun. I love it. Uh, I've been doing that now for, what, officially for 12, 13 years. And uh, I want you to feel like I do. There's an amazing feeling that comes from owning your own business. So whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or already kind of running your own uh, landscape company and making it bigger and better, text G-G-B-I-Z-O-P-P to 8700. Uh, I'm sorry, 87,000. That's the number, 87000. Again, that's texting G-G-B-I-Z-O-P-P to the number 87000. And you'll learn more about how Grounds Guys franchises can help you get where you want to get faster than going it alone. One more time, that's G-G-B-I-Z-O-P-P to 87000 to learn more about the neighborly brand that may be available in your area. We thank them for sponsoring today's show. Wish we could turn back time to the good old days. Now we're stressed out. Out. Stressed. Out. Stressed. Out. Lucky for you, I pull my punches. Their milkshakes bring all the boys to the yard. This is the Morning Stream. All right, we're back, everybody. <clears throat> Welcome back to the program. For those asking if that was Daryl, that was not Daryl singing that song. That was somebody else. No, but they had kind of a Daryl oh, vocal quality to very them. Very yeah. Daryl-esque, for sure. Yeah. Daryl-esque. You haven't said esque uh, as much as you used to. You used to say that a lot. No, I know. And then the chat room, the, 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 the tadpole kind of called me on it. <laughs> They'll do that. They like to get after us. They will, exactly. Remember when I said absolutely all the time? Yep, and yep. <laughs> we had audio of like, oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. I mean, look, they have an impact. That's for sure. That's right. They do. Wendy, they are do. you Hello. there? Oh, hi. Good morning. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How oh, you that's, that's good. We're fine. Hey, I hear, <clears throat> I hear you've got like spies coming. Uh, you hired my uh, my other sister, Wendy, or, uh, Misha, to come spy the the area that we live in to make sure the pool and everything's good enough or something is that true what's going on with that i feel is like that I'm how being... she described it no she was just like misha's like <laughs> i need to come out there and i need to just you know i need to just check everything and look at everything and make sure everything's okay because wendy wants to make sure and i'm like what are you guys doing just somebody call me and ask yeah. me and i'll tell you what's happening but i figured it's just misha being all busybody and you know well i think it's misha making because we had a plan to go up um to what's it called 
Snowbird. And we already know what Snowbird's going to be like with trying to keep everyone together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but Becky gets uh, sick up there. She gets that. What is it called? Uh, altitude sickness. She got it last altitude time. Altitude sickness. Yeah. Not, when they yeah. were here for Nerdtacular in 2015, she got it real bad up there. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So now I think, I mean, she's she goes up to Park City, which is only, what, 700 feet lower so yeah. it's not, I think it might be psychological at this point to go back to the place where you got really sick. Like, I think that's harder than yeah. that. It's actually the altitude itself. That, like, I get it when you go to, what is that place down south that's 10,000 feet? That's oh, uh, uh, Brian Head just about murdered me. Brian Head. Yeah, Brian yeah. Head is rough. And that's the base of the ski resort. Like, when you Brian actually Head. ski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a, it's a ski resort, but also like a lot of camping and other stuff. And it is so high up. It's so high it's just it puts me i had to lay down for most of it up there wow. i'm a puss yeah it's rough yeah. so i think for her anyway we just don't want her to come all that way and be sick that's stupid so anyway we we want to move it to where you guys are but we just want to make sure it there's places to go and kind of plan the day it's not about is your are your facilities good enough it's about, <laughs> that's what i thought i just it's like it well, just... where are we gonna sit for lunch and who where's the pool compared to you know because we don't want everyone going in a thousand directions and not actually being together sure sure no i totally agree you're and i knew that i 100 knew that that's what was going on but it was misha's approach is just funny it sounded like she was like on an on an errand to like crappy blanket the place <laughs> and make sure you know put uh, put uh, she's gonna have centuries posted in different places and all that sort of thing <laughs> But it's fine. She's a very thorough uh, sister. I'll put it that she way. Is. She's yeah. Great. Uh, all Sending right. her spiders out. <laughs> I'm excited to see you guys when you come. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fun. Oh, did you get my email about the? I guess Rushmore is weird right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, great Rushmore. My one chance to see you. I guess they're doing construction all over. Anyway, we're oh. just gonna drive by. I was wondering what what it meant by Rushmore is weird right now. Like. <laughs> The <laughs> eyes start moving at weird times, and yeah, at night they follow you. The eyes follow you as you drive by. No, I think it's uh, just yeah, a bunch of construction, so you can't get up uh, close at all. Um, you know, not that yeah. you can, not that before you could climb on their faces or anything, but I just mean like, you know, you're because didn't you used to be able to, and just now you can't? I think it's I think so. Yeah, it used to be true. Pre nine eleven, when we could do whatever we wanted. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, nobody wants. Someone's gonna go put a pipe bomb in Lincoln's nostril and then blow half his face off, and we can't have that, right? No, we can't be having that. No, we can't have that. All right. Uh, anyway, so I I wish you luck on that because I know that was gonna be a cool stop for you guys, and now it sounds like it's gonna be less so. But maybe I mentioned to somebody here, I was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna stop on the way," and the guy goes, "Do you like tourist traps?" I'm like, "What?" He's like, do you? Because that's what there is. I'm like, oh, okay. Better much. He's like, I have to drive by that. Every time I drive, because a lot of people make the trek west and go that route, you know? Yeah. But anyway, I'm like, yeah, I love tourist traps, of course. Yeah, they're Duh. fun. Especially the the weirder, the better. Like, you're going to have a bunch of strange rocks uh, at a place or go, you know, like some of these weird, like uh, Nevada places you can stop where you're on your way to Vegas or something. Just little hole-in-the-wall tourist traps that they're trying to sell you polished rocks and freaking, mm -hmm. you know. Dehydrated frogs playing guitars with yes. sombreros. I yes. love that stuff, dude. <laughs> I love that stuff so much. There's a there's a gas station between here and St. George that has um, a whole case where everything inside the case are different objects. And they can be anything as mundane as like a car. Or like a full-blown tank and sometimes little homes or whatever. But they're all built out of bullet casings. Wow. I know. It's the most like dumb gun culture wow. offshoot thing you've ever seen. But 
it's the kitschiest, stupidest thing, and I love going in there. I love looking at that stuff. It's so yeah, dumb. That's awesome. Anyway, speaking of kitsch, no, not really. Uh, we're going to do a segment <laughs> with Wendy. She comes on the show on Thursdays, has since the inception of the show back in 2011, and talks about issues of the day, people we can help with their psychological questions, their behavioral questions, whatever they may be. And last week, we had, I think if, I, I mean, we've had a lot of popular Therapy Thursday segments, but last week, Maybe the most popular we've had. I've gotten more feedback, more people talking to us, more emails, more follow-up tweets, all that kind of stuff than we've had in a very long time about cool. your self, your topic of self-care. Did people yeah. come up with their their own top ten lists of things that uh, bring them joy? And uh, a lot of people did. In fact, that was the main feedback I got was, "Hey, I started my list. This is super cool." And um, uh, nobody saw it as. I don't know, it's goofy or, or silly to write all this stuff down. They all took it, seemed to be taking it pretty seriously, which I think is kind of cool. cool. Um, by the way, so far, I'm just looking at my, my top 10 list. And there are, let's see, one, two, three. I've only been able to pull off three of my 10 things at least once a day, one of those things. Uh-huh. So I have eight other things that I haven't been able to work out, like steak and kimchi uh, the cold, the cold <laughs> pillow. It's just a hard it's time of year. Stuff. It's a hard time of year to get the cold pillow thing going. So that hasn't really worked yeah. out. Um, let's see. Oh, I guess it's four. So there's seven. I, I still have need done. to finish my list. I still have uh, like three more slots to fill, and I got to figure out what those what those things are. What are the missing things that bring you joy? Yeah, and a couple of them are just like nap with the dog and book on the porch. Those are my two favorites. I like those a lot. Anyway, uh, so as a follow up to last week, I'm going to read a thing. Uh, so, so, Wendy, here it is. It's from somebody we'll just call M. I don't know if they wanted us to use their name, but it's it's a person we've already talked to. It's a follow-up. Uh, and they say this. Hey, Scott, it's me again. I just listened to last week's Therapy Thursday. I got my paper and pen out, and I could not come up with anything that brings me joy. I'm not kidding, says this person. I suffer from depression and anxiety. I have had counseling and have, had been, uh, have been taking medication for the past 15 years to help me deal with it. I also enjoy running, and that helps me feel better. Some days are very difficult. Like today, I feel like I have no value or worth in life. Uh, Some days I feel very low. I have had days where I would just lie in bed crying and my wife would lie next to me and just rub my back and give me encouragement. Then I felt guilt. I feel like a grown man should not feel the way I do and should just grow up. Yes, I know that uh, that it's not true and it is more complicated than that. Half of the time, nothing excites me. I don't have any hobbies and nothing brings me joy. like let's say brings me or brings me that joy that you guys were talking about. I feel like I am not good at anything and I don't want to do anything, but I deal with it. How can I find joy? How do I find passion? How do I get over this numb feeling towards everything? I'm 41 years old and don't want to be like this for the rest of my life. Does Wendy have any advice? She mentioned if you can't add anything to the list, you are in trouble. I am in trouble in all caps says M. So that made me really sad to read. Yeah. Um, because, uh, I mean, he mentioned running here and also he listens to our okay. show. So as far as I'm concerned, he's got two cool things going on every day that uh-huh. bring him a little bit of joy. And so it made me wonder, and you can tell me I'm wrong here if I'm wrong, but it made me wonder if he's got things that do and he just doesn't know it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. they are mm-hmm. bringing him joy, but because the cloud he has is so thick, it's difficult to tell the difference between that and just anything else that happens during his day. Yes. So absolutely. I think you're right. So I'm going to derail for one second and go to rag on social media for a minute. But how often are people, you guys, anybody, um, 
watching someone else's passion yeah and and having this experience of of like it, it actually uh kind of like deflating what you might find interesting because you're watching someone you know what i'm saying like it like you can go back through all of the commencement speeches from i think it's the early 2000s up to 2010 or something and it's like every single commencement speech ever given was follow your passion your Mm -hmm. passion will lead you to the blah 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 that is as if that's a universal experience to have this burning desire to start your app and then go for it Mm -hmm. and you know but here's the challenge with that is that it is not a universal thing but it was it was meant to feel as one right Mm -hmm. and i think that's what ends up happening with we're watching someone like I have joined my passion for travel with my passion for skincare. And they're just like doing whatever in Italy. And you're like, okay, what? And that is not, that is literally the opposite of, well, it, it's kind of a killer of what we were talking about last week. Right. Um, and, and even as we talked, Brian, you were like, let's go gambling. That's awesome. That brings me joy, mm-hmm. but that's still too big. And yeah, I think we have a tendency. Yeah. yeah. We have a tendency to like, big passionate it runs your life it should be the the fire behind everything and if i don't have it move on and find it there's mm-hmm. a lot of very lost people who have bought into this idea and i think it's not their fault because they were told at their commencement speech to do it um it's now shifted people are not talking about follow your passions anymore in, com- yeah. in commencement speeches so <laughs> we've adjusted so poor all of you millennials basically the, um the dictionary defines graduation as <laughs> <laughs> this moving target yep. changed by yeah whatever anyway so so but take that idea though that it's influenced by the people around you a little bit right like their life may look a certain way but let's take this guy he's running and he listens to the show just evidence of two things that he has interest in that make him feel good i assume um i assume listening to you guys makes him feel good and he there is it does something for him makes him feel good at you know blah, blah blah right there he's got two more than someone else i'm really worried about mm. right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're right scott it's about perspective and it's about having the things that actually mean something to you um think of it as like the the, the benefits of them actually get absorbed and give you nutrients versus well, I'm supposed to like that, so I do that. I don't. I'm supposed to want to be around people, but when I'm around them, I'm exhausted. So I, I it, it's like a game or a trap is probably a better way to put it. Right. Whereas if you can focus on what actually works for you and discover those things, if your energy could go there, that would make a big difference. I mean, he doesn't say that's what's happening for him, but he's got the baseline of sort of biochemically things have, have been off for years, mm-hmm. right? Um, here is what I'm wondering and I can't, uh, maybe he's in the chat room. Um, but I'm wondering what else he is doing. Um, because first of all, our chemistry in our brain is incredibly powerful. And if he's on antidepressants and he's done some therapy, if he's not feeling relief from those two things, which how he's describing things right now, doesn't sound like there's a lot of relief there. Am I wrong? Maybe I'm, I mean, that's what, that's my feeling it sounds like his despite all of that it's not not that it's not working entirely maybe this would be you know exponentially worse without it but it does seem like we're not you know he's not he's not feeling any better 
or, or not better enough, not enough to say, all right, well, maybe that's not working either. Let's reevaluate the medication. Maybe there's a better uh, thing or maybe the doc, maybe I need a better therapist or, or something. Um, the fact that he runs, uh, runs for fun or runs for, you know, to feel better or whatever is interesting to me because you have always said physical activity exercise is a great natural way to sort of kick depression in the butt sometimes. Yeah. depending on severity and that sort of thing. The fact that he's able to do that makes me think that, you know, he's got this one thing at least where he can, con- it, it, that's conquering your depression because really yeah. depressed people don't want to run. I guarantee it. Right. Right. They don't want to go anywhere. Well, and he's, yeah. So he's got, he's literally doing the three things that are, you know, the best of our ability at the moment is medication with therapy and physical exercise. Those three, that's a great combo. Mm-hmm. So, my assumption here is that he's got a whole lot of storylines in his head that are putting, keeping him in bed in the morning. Cause you know, like it's, it's tough. It is tough. And obviously there's biochemical stuff. I don't want to discount that one bit, but I'm not sure what else there is other than, you know, take a trip down to Peru and do some ayahuasca and see if we can <laughs> have a breakthrough or something. Right. Like there's, there's more extreme versions of this. Like, Go climb a mountain. I mean, people sometimes will do things that are on the extreme end because the regular prescribed stuff is just not kicking um, their brain into a different state. Um, and so obviously there's stuff like that or, you know, meditation is a great thing to add to this regimen. And and why meditation in particular and me talking about storylines is that's often the last frontier that you can get your mood stabilized by a, a medicine um, it can help your thinking sort of chill out. Like it, it works, especially for anxious thinking it can calm you down a little bit. Um, but some of those storylines and some of your past stuff that created those storylines, you have to tackle that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like keeping a weight in your backpack the whole time while you're doing all the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, of course, I haven't met with him to find out what that is, but right. so, so you can think of it in terms of like, let's, uh, let's put the two of you on a treadmill Right now. Okay. Me and Brian on a treadmill. Same treadmill. on a treadmill. And I am in the, I'm in the middle treadmill and you two are on my side. Oh, these are three treadmills then. Three treadmills. Are we we doing a new OK Go video? Sure. (laughs) Yes, we are. Exactly. Yeah. No, but I have a megaphone in my hand and just periodically I turn to either of you and make fun of you. Okay. Or I point out some body part of yours that's jiggling. (laughs) All right. Or I just essentially tell you you're weak and you're not going to be able to do this. And also like, you're going to hurt yourself. And, you know, and I'm just kind of yelling at you with the megaphone. And at first you might think it's kind of funny, but then I'm going to get good at it. (laughs) And then you are, it's going to feel bad. So my question is how fast are you going to be running by the end of this? Uh, It seems like I will slow over time. I would any I would anyway. Just in in (laughs) feeling defeated and uh, yeah, uh, beat down and yeah, right. Yeah, I'm I'm literally going to ruin your ability to keep running. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so just take that as an analogy for having certain voices or storylines in our heads. It's it's exactly the same. I'm doing life and someone with a megaphone, but the problem is the megaphone voice is our own voice. And that is yelling at me that I'm not good enough. I'm doing it wrong. Uh, he he gives us a bunch of examples in his writing, mm-hmm. which grow up. That's that is the voice 
of a mean coach, right? Yeah. On the treadmill with a, a megaphone. Uh, does he have another one? I don't have the email in front of me. So I don't. Um, Is there another one like that? Mm, no. No. I can't tell. Okay. What am I? Okay. Uh, well, oh, and, oh, sorry. And he's, he's, uh, I mean, he's, uh, he's emailed us before. So I know a little bit more about his, his background and he's had some tough stuff he's gone through. Um, and things have gotten a little bit better in some areas. And so what ends up happening sometimes with anxiety and depression is they kind of, it's like, they like to, they like to live in there and then they don't want to go anywhere. So if you kind of fix it in one area, it's going to try to move to another. Mm. Um, and so maybe this depression has kind of always been there, but high stress over some previous life experiences. And this can be very common for people. You go through something really tough. Your endocrine system is exhausted from all of that stress, the cortisol, the not sleeping, like it's, you know, we're living with sort of chronic stress and then maybe there's relief of that, but the system isn't rebooted. Right. Mm -hmm. So some, so again, the biology of this is very real and I don't want to discount any of that, but what is the storyline and who's yelling at you through that megaphone Mm. needs to be like whoever his therapist is, if they've seen him for 15 years, you might want to try a new one just because that's a long time. I've seen people for years and sometimes I'm like, I'm running out of stuff. You need a new, a new mm. perspective, you know? <laughs> um, and so maybe there's that, but there's also could be, you know, working with whoever you're working with to really challenge the storylines. Who, who is it? Who is yelling at you in that, with that megaphone? First of all, what are they saying? Mm-hmm. And then how is it impacting you? And are you believing it and how to get peace and from that CBT is a great, strategy for sort of working on thinking and storylines. And then another great way is to sort of really explore your past. Like who talked to you that way? Who started this? Or how did you learn to perceive the world this way? And then you can start to work with what you have, you know, knowing what it is, is half the battle, knowing it's not real, knowing that it is a person on a megaphone next to you on a treadmill, not actual, are you capable or not? Or are you good enough or not? Is it possible um, that it's tricky. always been your own voice? Like, is it possible that, that it's just always, I don't know, as I say this, I realize that it doesn't, you don't, you're not a baby and you don't, you know, at two years old go, I don't like me. I don't like the things I do. I'm, you know, it, it's always an external voice, right? It is always an external voice. No, it is born with it. And, yeah. and, you know, I was just reading a really interesting book. You guys should check it out if you want to dive deep and be a little bit distressed. And also it's cool all at the same time. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't recommend, I wouldn't recommend this to most clients. So let me just say that out loud. Um, because it's maybe a little triggering. It's called the power of meaning. Have you guys heard of this? No. The, uh-uh. uh, the author is Emily Smith and I can't, my brain, my glasses, I can't say what her middle name is. It's like Esperani. Esperani. Middle, middle name. Esperani or something. Mm. Anyway, Smith. So Emily Smith. (laughs) We'll just stick with Emily Smith, but she does have an interesting middle name. Anyway, called the power of meaning. And she goes through, you know, why suicide is, has been so appealing to various, you know, people in history. And, you know, she has this quote from Voltaire because the concept of like, Hey, everyone, let's look for happiness. We're always striving for this happiness, which is doesn't exist. And what we've actually learned is that the more you're trying to be happy, the more elusive it becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've kind of a little bit mixed up in society. The worse we feel, I mean, obviously it's not working. Everyone's feeling worse. Um, 
but this concept of searching for meaning rather than uh, happiness is actually where it's at. And she goes through, you know, I'm only a couple chapters in, but she goes through some historical examples of folks who, you know, ha- had lost meaning. Um, mm. What is this all for? And a lot of very famous people. Um, and Voltaire is an example of one who, he said, I, you know, I would have killed myself many times if I hadn't, if I didn't have so much to do. Like right. his work for meaning and what was valuable to him sort of had so much to do with what he, how he spent his time, his dread about life or his self-loathing or whatever it was that made him feel suicidal, you know, won out. (laughs) And so this idea of like, even the greatest minds have been suicidal and many have not taken their lives. Why? And so she's just on this journey to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And she goes through community and connection and some really interesting little cultural things um, that are just fascinating. So that's where I am in the book. But um, kind of this idea, though, like the storyline, the guy on the treadmill yelling in your ear is a version of meaning. Like your life isn't worth anything. That's the meaning you're getting yelled at. Or look at you, you're 43 and, you know, grow up. What's your problem? Like yeah. that's the meaning. Uh, and so the idea being, let's deconstruct that, figure out who who talked to you that way. Yeah. Um, and and. You, you can, and one of the things she, she talks about in the book is, you know, back in the day when we figured out germ theory, we figured out, oh, human contact spreads a germ and then kills a person, then orphanages everywhere, and parenting philosophy everywhere became, became don't kiss your kids, don't hug your kids, don't touch your kids. <laughs> because of the germs. Oh, because geez. of the germs. And so you had, we have all this evidence of, you know, kids like a hundred percent mortality rate in orphanages because these kids are not being touched rather than they're still getting fevers and getting sick and dying. How is this possible? Well, cause their immune system is shot because mm-hmm. no one's touched them. So it's stuff we, we it's, you will be shocked. It, it wasn't that long ago. This is how we thought. In fact, the 1940s, 1950s. Um, and it started to change because there were people who were, you know, radical enough and strong enough to say, hold on, let me show you what happens to a kid who's not touched for a week and filmed the whole thing. And now let's see a kid when it's reunited with its mother. I mean, they can't do that anymore. That's, that's way not good. Um, But that's, and you watch this child become despondent, depressed, curl up in a ball, refuse a baby, and then watch it come back alive when it has the touch of another person. And so we know that loneliness, we know disconnection, we know all these things that are so dangerous and so damaging um, but we're all c- trying to figure that out. But how hard is it to get close to someone when you have someone in a megaphone yelling you're worthless to you? Yeah, it's, it's pre- really it's hard. Really hard, especially if that's all you've heard, you know, or right. if that's predominantly yeah. what you've heard. And I, right. I don't know anybody who would deny this when you are being praised for something. Like I'll be having a rough day or something, and I'll post something on Twitter, or something I drew, or something you know that I made or whatever. Just that one person who who replies back and goes, this is awesome. I'm so glad you shared this. This is so cool or whatever. Positive feedback like that. Something clicks in your head. You're like, oh, right. I am good at this. Someone does like this. It, I'm going to make, I'm going to do this again. Like that positive feedback really matters. And if at a very young age or, or whatever formative years you want to point to and you weren't given that kind of feedback and instead the opposite was what was happening, it feels like you're just, your basic programming is flipped 
Like right. if you're not getting negative feedback, something feels wrong. And when you get negative feedback, that of course doesn't produce positive results, but it's, it's the anchor of like, oh yeah, right. I'm th- that's how this is supposed to be. I'm supposed to be treated negatively. That really bums me out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, but you're not saying that this can't be deprogrammed. It's not like you can't find a way through the right therapy, the right help, the right voice. behavior right, changes. Exactly. Here's the thing. I don't know how much people get to that work when you're doing, mm, you're doing recovery. Okay. So someone is very suicidal, really, really depressed, very, very low. You are, you work to get them to a stability, right? Mm-hmm. And then this is deeper work because it's hard. Right. So you can't take someone who can't get out of bed and be like, let's dig into your childhood. And, you know, you're going to make them worse initially. Right. Yeah. And so you got to get them stable. And and it sounds like that stability is maybe a tricky thing for this emailer to find. Right. And so when you get to that stability, hopefully, and maybe it's an adjustment of meds, maybe it's um, more time in nature, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's all the combination of the, the things or he's just ready. Then you say, no, I need to dig. I need to find out who these voices in my head are mm-hmm. so I can stop believing them. Right. Um, because they are incessant. And, and, and again, a way to think about it is like, okay, so you have an interaction with a teacher in second grade. So say you have a loving, happy family, everything's like normal. Then you have a teacher who just doesn't like you, just treats you a little different, just finds your stuff annoying, right? That could maybe happen. And they just like let other kids bully you and they see it and you know it, you watch this teacher neglect you or harm you in some way. Or they said something like, you're just dumb or you're only here because you know, some kind of feedback, you're a little kid. That's now truth for you. You don't go, wow, that teacher is having a bad day or wow, I must trigger Mm -hmm. some weird issue in them. You don't have any of those resources to do that. So you absorb it. And then the next time something feels even slightly familiar to that, it adds on, it adds on. And suddenly it's your voice going, hey, you know what? You probably shouldn't go out for that team. You're probably not going to make it. You need to save yourself. So it's, it becomes a protective strategy. So it's like a human survival thing that's just gawampus, right? So it starts with some dumb second grade teacher, gets reinforced by some kid in your gym class in high school. And then you're off at college deciding your major because this voice is yelling at you that you should do scary things. You should just stick with something you're probably good at, which is nothing. Right. <laughs> right? right. And you right. go, oh, that's my voice. That must be my intuition. I that's just, my Jiminy yeah, Cricket. I gotta listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. And then the reality is it's not. It's a, it's a bully with a bullhorn on a treadmill telling right. you you can't do this. And so digging into your past, going backwards and going, where are these voices from? Who said them? And can I under, Can I actually bring some sort of adult empathy to the child that was told those things? Mm-hmm. That oh, you're too emotional, or that you're it's not okay to do this or that, and who you are isn't okay. We can unpackage that, unprogram that, but you you got to feel stable first for that to to do that because it's a pretty painful process. It means looking at maybe our parents in a way that's hard. Maybe looking at our childhood, our siblings sometimes, you know, in ways that we're protecting ourselves against doing. That's why it's in our voice, right? right? And so then we start to find space and go, huh, I actually don't know who I am, let alone that I am the terrible person. And then it becomes a sort of a, an effort of discovery. And here's where age is a thing. We go, oh, I'm 43. I should have figured this out. Well, 
should you have? I mean, people are figuring it out in their 80s, mm-hmm. right? Like the earlier, the better, because it's less programmed. It's less solid in there, but it's absolutely reversible. It just takes um, some effort. And I think maybe switching up with a therapist who that's a skill they have, I think might be a smart idea. Mm-hmm. Um, some version of, I got to identify who is yelling at me every day and how can I get them to at least be quieter and at least have the real me rise up in this conversation. Recognizing that specific voice and being yeah. able to ignore it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. Well, I, uh, the, so the person is in the chat today um, and some have been going back and forth in the public chat. I've had a little private message back and forth uh, with this person. Would you, obviously all this advice is good. Uh, would you recommend a change up in therapy if he is currently seeing somebody? Is there, is there a, an advantage at this stage to go to and see if somebody's better suited or more focused on his particular kinds of issues? Like, like is that helpful at all? Well, at, and you know, everybody is different in what they need, and and that represents some, you know, changing and loss and comfort and. And as we all have talked about many times, it's hard to find a good therapist and it's, it's like a search. So it, it's a, it poses a risk, right? Like I have this comfort thing that I've done and I have a place to go. And if it feels really good and like it's working, then no. But if it feels like, like, like yeah, you don't feel like you've moved, like you feel like, oh great, help me a lot at the beginning. And now it's just kind of like a a flat maintenance kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And here's what I would recommend. And I know this is hard to do, but sit down with your therapist and talk this through. Mm-hmm. Say, I am still curling up in a ball. I am, you know, the, the results of the treatment have helped me to this level. I would like more. Right. So what do you suggest? And is, is there someone I should see who is going to take me to another level? Or is this something you can do? You just don't know I'm ready, but have a conversation. I tend to say, hey, I'm not sure I'm giving you everything you need because I can feel it. So a therapist feels it usually like, well, we're on maintenance and I'm here for you. And, you know, and so what I will often say, how about we skip every other week or let's, you know, let's create some space to see how you do without meeting with me. And, and also like, do you know what I'm terrible at? This thing, you know what? I have a colleague who's great at that. Let's try that. If, if they're really territorial about you, that's not a great sign. Right. It, it really, our our motto, our sort of ethical responsibility is A, do no harm, and then B, don't work out of your purview. So I am not going to work with someone who has alcoholism. That is not my jam. I've never figured out how to do that. I say all the wrong things. <laughs> like, I'm just go to a bar and see how it goes. I mean, I'm terrible. <laughs> immersion, immersion therapy. Yeah. yeah. Let's just have you hold that beer all day. I mean, I'm terrible. And so I know it. And anyone who needs that kind of treatment, I will refer you to somebody else. I can help you with pieces of problems, but I can do that. And so mm-hmm. that is me being ethical, knowing my ability and my, and so that is your therapist's obligation. Maybe they don't realize that this is happening because you have not expressed any of this. So own your half of this relationship, which is, Hey, I might need more. And they're grownups speaking of, they can, they can handle that. And you you, you will know your gut, I think will tell you a little bit and work with them and just say, Hey, can we do some new things? They may just realize like, Oh yeah, we got to step this up. Or they may say, you know what? I feel like I've taken you as far as I can. And here's, uh, and their obligation is to refer you on. 
that is, they don't just go, well, good luck. Their <laughs> obligation is also to help you find somebody. One of the things that the person asked me is, uh, and maybe you can answer this, but depression can make you exhausted, right? Like, Oh yeah. It's easy to blame meds or it's easy to blame workload or whatever, but sometimes like depression is the thing that is going to just put you on the couch for five hours that afternoon. Yeah. 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 Okay. Hopefully that helps them. Yeah, totally. Totally. But here's again, so there's like, again, and here's what he could work on getting good at is knowing what's the depression Mm -hmm. and what's the storyline coming out of the bullhorn. Yeah. Because if I yelled at you, you're going to go, lay on your couch for five hours or the physical exhaustion you have from mono or from any chemical disruption will put you on the couch for five hours to know the difference is where the magic is so that you can nurture yourself on the couch for those five hours because you are exhausted for, for biological reasons, which are going to happen with depression versus what, what tools do I actually have to combat this voice that, you know, and, and, and again, they, they get mixed and messy, right? I'm laying on the couch for five hours because I'm exhausted. Well, the stories then come. Well, you're 43 years old. You should have figured this out by now. Yeah. And so to, to gain some strategies to handle that, I mean, the greatest battle we all have is the, in our internal one. And it, it, it really is like, be, I don't know, behooves all of us to get good at this and figure out who's talking, why, who is really us. Um, you know, I think we have in the, the sort of general culture, like, oh, you should never hear voices. I'm like, no, we all hear voices <laughs> all the time. Now there's a version that's not great, of course, but we're all listening <laughs> to our great. own voice. <laughs> we're listening to our own voices, which are really mimicking other things. And they're most, mostly self-protective, yeah. right? We are creatures of that need protection. And so we have lots of strategies. So, but in the end, they, they harm us long-term. So that's, that's kind of the gist of it. And I'm saying all this like, yeah, go do it. It's hard work. What I am talking about is hard work. Yeah. But it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Like just today, I was talking to a client whose family, I mean, we're verbally abusive to her as a child. She did not know that until we started working together and realized, oh, wait, so yes, wait, hold on back. They called me names. That Mm. is abusive. Mm. I'm like, yeah. But it takes sometimes saying it out loud, the voice you hear in says, I'm not good enough. Where did you get that? Oh yeah. I was called names and told I wasn't good enough. Oh, that makes sense. And just that can crack open enough space where the actual you, the you that goes, huh, can have more space, more breathing room, can be the one that decides what you do with your life. Sure. So that's, that's that. I and like that, it. okay. So tying it back real quick to self-care. Yeah. This is why these little things that are uncomplicated and nurturing and simple can have such a massive impact is it's the real you. Like I was thinking about last week when I was talking about the internet and, and the, the, the influence of media on everyone and sort of like I could, you could feel, but as soon as you guys started making your list, I was beaming the whole time. Mm. And I'm just (laughs) thinking how many other people are listening and we can, I can make you sad, but then we're going to talk about Scott taking a nap with his dog. And you're like, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, it, really it has is power. Yeah. It has a lot of power, but it's got to be yours. And this is what's so tricky. Maybe you get your partner or a friend to do this with you of like, just following up on this idea of every day doing something very small and joy bringing for you and like, and see. So 
for the both of you, did you feel any difference? I forgot to follow up with. Uh, yeah, and uh, ironically, it turned out to be um, super important over <laughs> the last week that I have these little mm. escapes. Oh God, yeah, right. I had a real yeah. rough one for various reasons. We won't get into today anyway, but um, uh, because of that, and because I had internalized so much of that, it was really great to be able to go. Wait, Scott, hold on a second. You, you wrote this list for a reason. Let's try one of these. And it would really help me. And I mean, like I said, I've only been able to really pull off three or four of them on a regular basis. Um, yeah. But I have done it every day, at least one of those things, some of them multiple times. And they are, they're great. In fact, I'll tell you what, the the nap with the dog thing, which I, you know, previously this didn't really do all that often and not for very long. The dog can't even do it that long. But, you know, if it's a half hour or something, uh, I used to feel kind of guilty about that. Like, I could be, I, there's stuff I need I to get done making money right now yeah. working on. Yeah. I right. should be yeah. doing this thing. I, I'm supposed I to call so-and-so I do it all the time. I do it all the time. It's just this guilty feeling, but with this new way of looking at it, I didn't look at it that way anymore. And I'll tell you what, when I would do it, I would come away from it. Like, all oh, right, that was rad. I did this thing. I checked it off my list today and I feel more awake. I feel more, you know, jazzed up to do what I got to do. Like it just, it completely oh. flipped the meaning of it. And oh. it was, it was good. So I hope others are doing that and finding that um, with this little exercise because it's been really and Brian, good. Brian, it sounds like you need to need need, practice a little more. I need to practice a little more. I need, number one, I need to finish my list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I need to keep finding the things that aren't complicated that bring me joy. But um, uh, but I've been pretty good about doing the things that I did identify in here. I mean, you know, yeah. playing video games for 10, 15 minutes a day or which sounds like you would do that anyway, Brian. No, if you if you know me, you know I don't. Like I have to say, all right, let's take a break from freelance for a while or take a break from doing this or that and actually force myself to play some games. Um, cat on the lap in the recliner, yeah. new kitten. That's, new kitten likes the recliner. That sounds the, great. Does not the, the old the, the, the older cat does not is not a lap cat. Yeah. But yeah, so I just need to finish my list and then adhere to it. Yeah. Yeah, so you get a little more practice. Eventually, like Scott, it flipped meaning. Think yeah. about that for a second. Mm -hmm. You just flipped the meaning of a nap with your dog to I'm bad to like. It's important. It, nutrients. Yeah. 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 And yeah. that's the yeah. point of the mm -hmm. things can't get absorbed if we're deflecting it all with guilt. And you, this is why going back into your childhood kind of matters sometimes is because you, you got messages all along about how you spend your time. I mean, I am ruining my I'll just tell you right now, I'm like, what are you doing with your time all the time? And it's like, I'm going to be that voice in their head with a megaphone and they'll have to go to therapy. It's going to be fine. But it's, <laughs> it's because we learn certain ways about what we do with our time. And think about it. Someone in their middle life is raising a kid and their biggest struggle is time. And then they're watching their kids waste time. Like you can see why we're projecting mm -hmm. crap on our children. So there's, it's not about them. It's about me. And I'm not good at this either, everybody, but that all of us have a childhood that impacts how we feel about self-care. Yeah. So if you find you've got nothing that makes you, brings you joy, then listen to what we're saying here. Also, if you find that you feel guilty for any joy, there is some childhood garbage in your way, um, yeah. typically. And or, you know, just you, you've got the misunderstanding and you're probably an American that thinks the most, the more productive I am, the more productive I am, more value. Is, yeah, yeah, more value. And I am, and you, it's the biggest, fattest lie we tell ourselves. Um, you actually have to go on vacation, everybody. You actually have to recharge. You have to turn your dang phones off or you, you burn too much and your system quits on you. Yeah. So 
there you go for lecture one one of the day. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. Once in a while, you need a good lecture. Um, I think this stuff's all really good, and I hope um, uh, the the person in this email can can find some uh, ways to ride his own ship. It sounds like he's working on it, and that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're here. We're here for you. Oh my gosh! I almost knocked over a light. Hold on, I gotta tweak that. Right. Okay, everything's fine. Everybody, calm down. Everything's fine. Uh, all right, uh, Wendy, we'll do this uh, at least a couple of more times before you leave for Utah. Um, yeah, I'm gone next week. I'm a I'm a taking a little trip to Chicago, uh, meeting some friends from Sweden. What? Nice. What? So nice. excited. That's They're not so very cute. They're, uh, far now. That's easy to get to, right? Yeah, it's like five hours from here. Yeah. They are like, uh, they're road tripping. They started in New York City mm-hmm. and uh, got the heat wave while they were in Central Park and riding bikes, which was fun for them. Um, but they, like, I, this is what I love about Europeans. When they come here, they're like, we'll just stop at your house. I'm like, you don't know how geography works here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you We don't. will come to you. Yes, <laughs> yes. You... It is this weird is because everything's spread out weird here. It's like a yeah. don't whole different bag of chips in America. It, it really is. So anyway, so we're headed to Chicago for the week to just hang out with them. So I will miss next week. Uh, sorry, people. And then uh, I'll be back after that. Adam going with you? Yes. Yeah. Who's watching the kids? Are all of you going? Yep. Oh. Yeah. No, it's their whole family. And, and uh, we've been good friends for a long time now. Yeah. So we get to, and we've traveled quite a bit with them. So we already know. You know oh, that's fun. awesome. And it's only five yeah. hours. That's like going to Vegas for us. That's nothing. Yeah, totally. And Chicago has that pizza. Oh yeah, they gosh. do. Oh my gosh, they do. They yeah, sent they do. some people in Chicago, fans of the show, uh, good friends of the show, sent us some of that pizza. What was the place, That's Brian? Right. What's it oh, called? It was uh, Lumalnati's. Lumalnati's. You got to eat there. Lumalnati's. Yeah. Oh. Could somebody tweet me? Sometimes I, I mean, I will look because I will look. But if you're in Chicago, just please give me a couple of ideas. <laughs> Yeah. We are Giordano's and Lou Melnati's. Yeah. Even Pizzeria Uno, the original is there in Chicago. Oh, is that? It's okay. not the chain that you go to all over the place, but the the original is the yeah. Yeah. The pizza. And it, it always starts a pizza fight about New York versus Chicago style pizza, but I say we can have both, is what I say. Oh yeah, because yeah. they're both amazing. Yeah. But right. yeah, any if anyone has any, you know, local tricks of things to do while you're there that you know because I actually don't like tourist traps, so Lasarge has got to send you um, uh, the whereabouts, like a Google map showing this cool park that we went to that's just south of of the city that has all these cool new sculptures, a lot of things for kids to run around and climb on. Oh, my God, this thing was so cool. Tina and I had a blast running around and climbing on these things, but it's like <laughs> art and discovery. And yeah, Maggie Daly Park, that's totally it. Oh, so Maggie cool. Maggie Daly. Park, yeah, Maggie Daly Park. That is a that is a must must sounds, go. Sounds like a fake name. Okay, cool. Maggie Daly Park. Maggie Daly. Yes. Yeah, I go to Maggie yeah. Daly. Pick <laughs> <laughs> up right. my groceries. Okay, well, have thank a, you. Have a fun time. We'll see you not next week, but we will see you the week after that. Have a uh, safe trip. We'll see you then. Okay, see you guys. Bye now. Bye. Bye now. I have to hang up <laughs> on her. All right. Well, that's the end of the show, everybody. Thanks for being here. Great show. Awesome. Great great segment. Always enjoy it. Uh, I want to do a quick test. Everybody in the chat room, give me a number between 1 and 100. All of you, just participate. Uh, this is, okay. uh, I will actually make it matter. So, whatever it picks for the winner, I'll do another uh, piece of digital art for them. Uh, but I want to see if this I can tell thing... you that the, mo- the number you're going to see most prominently in there, I can predict just Prob- because, of, well, probably, actually, probably two numbers that are most prominent. <laughs> probably 42, probably a little 50 in there. 69. 69, a sure. couple of dirty ones. 
Um, um, this is totally random. The site does it. I don't do it. I want to see if this works. All right, here we go. I'm going to roll and see if it picks whoever it picks. I'm resetting okay. your eligibility. All right, everyone's eligible. Here we go. Roll it. Eligible. And it's... Oh. Oh, so it says nobody's... now enter. Now do we need to enter our numbers? Uh, you know what? I guess so. I've never done this before. So now you put in your numbers and nobody's hit the number yet. So this oh. is interesting. Oh, this this could be a spam nightmare though. Wow. So so basically, as soon as somebody gets the right number, it will it let will, them know. It will let them know. The problem is I don't. <laughs> I can't really control the spam nightmare that is happening <laughs> until somebody does it. So this may not be the best idea. I don't know. I'm trying all these little contest systems out, and there's some cool stuff in here. But I th one of them's like, oh, pick a random number between whatever, whatever. You know, it'd be easier yeah. here. It'd be pick a random number between one and ten or twenty-five. You're yeah, gonna get to the right. end much quicker than you are with the 100, but so far, no, <laughs> nobody's done the number. No yet. way, nobody's actually named the actual number. Because no, I'm what? seeing like it is like yep. numbers just going. I'll up. tell you what, I'll do it, and then let's see if it clears. Okay. Nope, it did not. Okay, someone I else put in. Your... Someone else put 52 in there. Okay. I'll do it because I hear you first. Oh, there's somebody did. It's still not doing it. Though. I it's see a lot going. of 52s now, yeah. Yeah, so if they're it's all doing it, it's not working right. All right, you can all stop. I've canceled it. It's not happening. <laughs> <anymore>. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on that later. That thing's funky. Well. Uh, all right, uh, that's it for the show. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in today, both live and later. Um, there will be music on today's show. I can promise you that. I have a new, I basically have an electric probe that pokes me every time I don't put music in now. Wow. So don't worry your little heads. Uh, Frogpants.com slash TMS is where you'll find all of our stuff. That includes a place to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash DMS. That's how we get support for the show. It's how we pay the bills. It's how we keep the lights on and the files flowing. So if you are interested at all in giving back to your favorite morning show, that's where to do it, patreon.com slash TMS. That's going to do it for us, Brian, or play the music. Okay, well, I'll, I'll describe the music. It's up to you to play. Dustin Ward wrote in and said, hey, Brian, my wife is having major surgery on the 25th. She is a di she is diagnosed as needle phobic. Didn't know that was a thing, so it's going to be a struggle. But together, we will get the IV in and surgery done. Can you play her a song to remind her that I am here for her always? If not, maybe she can get a fish sandwich. Oh. Love the show, though. Dusty. Gosh, dang it, guys, with your last second fish sandwich. Okay, here it is. Well, that's... Nope. That's just not... Nope. Every sandwich you... Nope. Hey, it's too hard to get a fish sandwich. There it is. I love how it is. Like it turns into like a uh, throw darts. Nope. 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 I, I have a All lot right. of sandwich clips and I don't know why I have so many. But whatever. This is, uh, hey, this is a cover of, uh, of The Glory of Love. Now, there are a lot of songs called The Glory of Love, or at least two that I know of that came out the same year. Uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood had one mm -hmm. and uh, Peter Cetera had the other one. Uh, for the Karate Kid, I believe it was. Not the Karate Kid Part 2. Was it Part 2? Uh, I, I don't know. Remember. I don't remember either. It was one of those. Yeah. Um, Newfound Glory covered it on their 2004 album, From the Screen to the, to Your Stereo. It was an EP where they covered a bunch of movie theme songs. This was uh, one of the ones they picked. Peter Cetera's The Glory of Love, Punkified by a Newfound Glory. See you tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. for Mount, uh, TMS PM. So come on back for Mount that. TMS PM. Yep, we'll be here. Uh, doing it again, so we'll see you then.
This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. It's like Dwayne Wagner.